I'm Glenn Southam and welcome to the podcast that shares the challenges, successes and advice of marketing professionals working in recruitment. You also get to find out their favourite swear word. You can find me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Southam and the podcast website can be found at thelonelymarketers.com, the no strings network for marketers in recruitment. This is The Lonely Marketer Show. Let's get going. Hello everyone, welcome to The Lonely Marketer. Today I'm on the banks of the River Thames with Raphael Wharton of Optimus Search. He's the Marketing and Operations Director here. Um, someone who wears many hats, which I'm sure we could all identify with. Um, he's been here for coming up to almost three years now, I That's think, right, Raphael. Yeah. Um, but has previously worked in other marketing roles and he's even run his own uh, recruitment business so uh, definite both sides of the fence and be great to get his insight so welcome Raphael thank you cool um just to just to kick off and I'm sure many people can identify and we spoke about it coming up in the lift um how do you manage to move 140 people across London whilst doing marketing at the same time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well it was kind of a Something that was bestowed upon me, should I say? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that obviously when I joined Optimus Search, like a lot of marketeers, it was about starting to bring the brand into kind of the modern world, <laughs> specifically given the market space that we operate in, which is tech specific. Um, we didn't. We felt there was a disconnect between the brand and obviously the audience that we're going after. So I think as part of that ongoing program. Part of that was obviously to modernise our our brand offering within our environment that we work in. Um, that's you know kind of the look and feel. And the look and feel, get yeah. everything on brand, create some values for the business. As I said, the two owners are very entrepreneurial. Uh, they're a little bit old school in, in in how they used to create the business. Been incredibly successful over the last decade, yeah. but they felt there there were a point of scale where. A bit of a bit of added credibility, a bit of a bit of added extra punch in terms of service proposition, how we articulate our market um, was probably needed. Um, as I said, part of that was obviously then also to look inward uh, as well as outward. Yeah. So looking at what we offer our consultants um, in order to both attract, retain, and engage the talent that we've got. Um, and you know, one of those conversations in a sort of directors meeting was like, we need a new office, Raf. Mm -hmm. <laughs> go out and do it. Yeah. Go, go out and find it. Talk to us about budget. Go and facilitate this move. Um, so we spent probably the better part of a month and a half looking for the right retail space. Yeah. Um, negotiated a fantastic rate in this office. Um, and then it was kind of all hands to the pump. Um, one of the things that I would say that was great was that I was given a complete autonomy, obviously having created the new brand. Yes. It was kind of thrown upon me to kind of make sure that that then sort of mapped out across our our offices both in london and actually our, our office in berlin as well yeah um and then it was just a lot of sleepless nights a lot of <laughs> juggling of suppliers um a lot of keeping people in the dark because we wanted a big reveal yes um so oh yeah because you like walked everyone over here wasn't it for a big reveal yeah exactly you know like any marketeer don't obviously don't obviously miss an opportunity to create some content <laughs> yeah so um i wanted to keep people in the dark obviously there was a lot of buzz around it people knew we were moving but nobody had an idea of a how great the location that the guys were willing to pay for yeah um but also the environment you know moving it from just literally a sterile four walls load of desks and a load of phones to Something's a bit more engaging, upmarket furniture, get a table, tennis table in there. We're not reinventing the wheel, but it's a case of just giving our guys the environment that 
actually will facilitate scale because yeah. you're actually creating that engagement with the brand. Did you think the the changes changing environment has actually changed your approach or the company's approach to to marketing as well? Oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah. I think the two kind of grew up together. Yeah. Um, but actually, Especially think, when one person's in charge exactly, of the both. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think actually it's had a trickle-down effect for the rest of the business. Actually, if you look at yeah. how we now run our L&D functions, our onboarding, our offboarding, um, just putting a bit more of concrete HR structure in there. Yeah. Um, everything has started to evolve. I think there's the general consensus was that, especially with, sometimes people downplay the importance of an office, but actually it's a really good vehicle to kind of elevate your brand and to mm-hmm. move it forward. Uh, and I think that's certainly been the case here. It's actually had a knock-on effect throughout the business yeah. to the point now where we're actually thinking about what the next project is and what you know where the new office, where the next new office is and whether or not we're going to start starting out our contract division and our perm division and obviously giving them an environment that they can call their own. Um, so it's kind of snowballed, really. Yeah. Um, but certainly from a marketing point of view, if anything, it's raised the standard. So actually now... You know everything that we put out has to be at a certain standard, and I, I spend a lot of my time almost as the brand steward now, um, trying to not do so much hands-on delivery. Although, unfortunately, you still have everyone to do needs it. to do it. Needs to do it. Um, but it's really making sure and safeguarding that the brand stays where it is and moves forward um, and doesn't start slipping back, which is yeah. quite easy to do. And how did you know an office move? I've been there, done it, had the sleepless nights. How did you keep the day-to-day marketing going? Was it just working more hours? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah we're, we're we're not we're not doing anything that's particularly new. Yeah, I think a lot of planning. So I mean, I think marketeers, as a general rule, especially with with limited resource, we're not a huge department here. Um, it's incredibly important to t- put timelines in place. Mm-hmm get stakeholders in the business to understand that when you have multiple big projects on, that slippage is inevitable. Yeah. So I think getting them to embrace that is yeah. very, very important. Um, and then just, as you say, putting in extra hours, working weekends. I mean, the owners here are fantastic. I mean, they are willing to give me back the time that I put in. Um, but just having the pride of delivery. Uh, so if I need to come up a couple of weekends, work Saturday and Sunday, and then take a Monday and Tuesday off to you know to, for myself, just to do it, just to, don't don't question it too much. Just but that helps where you say like you had that autonomy, so it was kind of your baby, yes. if you like. So there's a lot more pride in it, wasn't there? Hundred percent, and I think that stems from from really the brand build in the initial, in the first phase. Yeah, um, creating that brand, and I have felt like a protective parent over the brand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I use this argument all the time when people are getting frustrated around like let's just get it out the door, and I'm like, no, 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 let's. Make sure it's right before yeah. it goes out the door. And it's the same with the office, you know. They were pushing for September. I pushed for October because if you're going to do a big reveal and you want to have that wow factor as people walk through the door. Yeah. You don't want someone coming in on day four of you being in here and putting the logo up on the wall. 100%, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or or just diving under a desk to put cable trays together. So I wanted it actually at point of delivery. Uh, and also the transition. I think what sometimes people forget is that when you're when you're moving not just personnel, but effectively infrastructure, yeah. um, you're gonna have teething problems. Mm. Part of my job, especially in the last few weeks, is to mitigate that at every corner. You know, What I wanted is, I mean, uh, how, it worked, how it transpired was that we, everybody had a half day off on the Friday. Mm-hmm. There was kind of a ceremonial kind of going down to the pub, having a, a lunch for the whole business to kind of celebrate the times at Great Portland Street. 
Setting um, the office on fire. Exactly. <laughs> Kicking down doors, you know. Yeah. Um, and then just really hoping that when people turned up on the Monday, it was going to be seamless. So yeah. phones are working, computers are working, <laughs> yeah. desks are working. Everything that should be working worked. Yeah. Um, and I think that really was probably the biggest win out of everything. So regardless of coming in under budget <laughs> and juggling multiple suppliers and the timeline in place and juggling marketing, making sure that we can finish on the Friday, turn up at the new office on the Monday, and it's a seamless transition. People yeah. could get on the phone straight away and do their job. And I think that's what's really got the, the most recognition within the business because it has been so seamless. Um, and that's not to say that we haven't had teething issues. We have, um, but they've been easy to manage. Mm -hmm. um, that was always my biggest fear is that you move, you move everything across, the wheels fall off, and then you're playing catch up for two or three weeks. Yeah, at least. So. Obviously, time is probably one of the biggest challenges. But in general, for, for marketers working in recruitment, and you've done it for a number of years, um, what do you think is a marketer's biggest challenge at the moment? Um, I mean, I think there's there's many. We could probably yeah. have a separate podcast all about challenges, <laughs> yeah, challenges. for marketers. A hundred challenges that marketers in recruitment face. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think to, to gloss over the very the very simple one, which is like, we don't have enough resource because you know <laughs> yeah. in a sales environment or a performance culture sales are king mm -hmm. um but i think for me actually if i was to say one thing it's you know in recruitment marketing everyone talks about the holy grail of roi yeah okay and it's been talked about for many many years uh, and i think marketers are always juggling projects that they're doing in terms of delivering value to the bottom line um what I'm finding the biggest challenges is that having successfully delivered that, having successfully built a website that is generating a quarter of a million pound a year from standing standing start over two years ago, we were delivering nothing from the website. It's good that you know the number as well. Yes, yes. So we did a quarter million last year on, on Q to do another quarter of a million this year. But then after all that talk of ROI is actually fundamentally getting the guys at senior stakeholder level to understand the value of that return on investment. Yeah. Um, because you know for want of a better word sometimes marketing is perceived as the coloring in department and i'm obviously being slightly facetious there but yeah. you know create a brochure get a new web page built get a contractor portal design and brief yeah. everyone everyone can put their stamp on their buzzword bingo for coloring in department Exa yeah. ex exactly um but i think realistically for me it's now getting you know especially at the senior level is getting to understand you know the ubiquitous nature of marketing and the digital space and how it actually impacts at every level of the business um, do you think that's changing, whether in this business or generally within the industry? Yes, I, I think it is. To I an think, extent. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, yeah. I think I, it's not going to happen overnight, but I think actually the more marketeers that I see in recruitment, mm -hmm. um, the more is kind of built around that digital landscape, the more it is absolutely essential to understand that. Now, you know, one of the, one of the challenges I have here is not only sometimes do I struggle to, to get you know, an explanation and understanding of the bottom line impact, but also then to marry that with also, not all marketing delivery is going to be ROI driven. So yeah. it's your, you're always juggling between stuff that is delivering absolute bottom line value and stuff that is- The brand led that stuff. Is, the brand -led stuff yeah. that is pushing the brand and making the guys that work here feel proud to work in the business mm. and that, that positions or faces your service proposition in the absolutely po best possible way. Um, so I think that balance between ROI and branding uh, and how they both work in tandem to create what I call the marketing ecosystem. And I think that's you know, it's a term that I've started to use a bit more regularly now within yeah. the business uh, and people are starting to embrace and see yeah. that actually it's not just siloed programs. 
they all have an overall agenda to work to and that marketing wherever possible needs to align to the needs of the business do you think it helps that um (coughs) massive generalization here of um of the the youngest millennial millennials and then the gen z's coming in but do you think it helps that a lot of the people who are entering recruitment now more often not at graduate level let's be honest are so much more au fait with social media digital and generally marketing that that should help us as marketeers shouldn't it that these guys have grown up in that environment that we're all the channels that we're now using to communicate a lot more well i completely agree i mean i think I think there's not just marketeers, I think within any business, yeah. um, changing legacy people is very, very hard. Yeah, especially when being successful, which is more often not the case in recruitment. Absolutely. So changing legacy behaviours is very difficult. And as you rightly said, um, especially when there's been success underpinned by that behaviour. Yeah. Um, but what we are noticing, and, I, and I'm sure that this is probably across the board in the industry, is the next generation will embrace those digital channels much quicker probably won't even have to mention it 100% so I, so if we, if we use LinkedIn as a yeah you know, without trying to promote LinkedIn but no. obviously you know part of every successful recruitment business is model these days yeah um, when I first joined Optimus almost three years ago I was I was like the whip going around get your social profiles up to you make sure your, your profiles are keyword Do rich status update, get media yeah. get your media on there you know start joining groups you know share thought leadership all of that stuff and yeah you kind of feel like a broken record going around and yeah, telling it's draining, guys, isn't it? Yeah, telling guys that have been in the industry for six, seven years that they need to embrace this evolving landscape of recruitment. <laughs> yeah. The joy you have with new recruits is they don't know any different. They yeah. don't know any better. We have now some programs in place. We have a lot of the right tools. Um, you know, basic things like you know integrating your job boards with with Bullhorn and making sure that your timely your timeline on social isn't empty. That you're at least being seen to have ideas, content, thought leadership pieces going. Industry, the new gen are just they're 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 soaking it up. In actual fact, I think it actually makes recruitment a bit more of an engaging industry to be in. Yeah. If you let these guys drive their own personal brands it, without. It? micromanaging them in the take off those shackles of kpis and again look kpis is a bit of a dirty word but all it is is key performance indicators it it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do four hours on the on the phone it can mean whatever it needs to mean as long as it gets the deals done in the end isn't it and i think and i think you'll find that in the modern world or in the modern recruitment world should i say is that there is no standard rule for what works. What yeah. I say to a lot of the, the younger guys here is like, just keep putting your name out there, keep creating your own. And I, I talk about this all, all the time. Um, on, on LinkedIn or any of the social channels, what we don't do as a business is get them to promote the business. Mm-hmm. We get them to promote themselves. You know, yeah. it's, it's a real mind shift, you know. So, you know, when I joined the business, everybody's profile was about Optimus Search and yeah. what we've done. And that's not their job. Their no. job is to promote themselves as experts in that space. Because people are going to be buying from them, ultimately. 100%. And let us, or let myself and the marketing department, worry about the brand position. Obviously, you need your brand ambassadors. You need them kind of pushing the brand in terms of how they present themselves and you know wherever marketing can kind of fill a gap and help them to drive more value out of their personal brand, we will yeah. do. Um, 
but don't be going out there talking about how great Optimus Search are. Go out there talking about how great you are. Because of Optimus Search, that's the key, isn't it? Absolutely. So, you know, Optimus has given me the foundation, um, but ultimately I'm a, you know, we try and get people to operate almost as as independent business units. Think Mm -hmm. entrepreneurially. This This is your business. This is your, especially the team leaders and the kind of the guys that have aspirations of becoming managers. Um, stop thinking about you know the business and your pe- your part within the business. Start thinking to yourself as almost an extension of the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go after your market space. Go out and educate the guys that come in into your teams that actually they should be treating it as their own business. Yeah, I think there's there's always been like this weird embedded fear of individuals promoting themselves. Um, you know, back in the day when I started, it was about going to events. Oh, don't talk about what we do, et cetera, et cetera. And now there's a, in some places it's around personal brand. Oh, don't promote yourself too much. Because I think there is there are some leaders who are afraid, oh, if they promote their personal brand and leave, then we don't get anything. But that's, you know, you can't create an entrepreneurial environment and then try and hold that entrepreneurial kind of tendencies back. You You need to be creating the environment of, that's why they're creating a successful personal brand because of the company that they're working for. And if they do leave, then that's the story you tell. It's like, oh, they left and created their own business and you know they went with our blessings, but we gave them the tools and the platforms to be able to do that here. This is what you can achieve. No, I agree. Yeah. And I think also part, part of that is that it's probably a kind of emblematic of uh, an industry that's taken a while to play catch up. <laughs> Um, yeah. Because when I was in recruitment, started recruitment, you know, 12, 13 years ago, the value of the business was all was all built around the database. You know, <laughs> it's all about protecting the database, and and I think that then starts to trickle on into personal branding. It's like, well, don't let people know who our people are because they will steal us. We live in the era of big data. Yeah. If LinkedIn anybody, and LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. and Zing and all of these big social platforms. If anybody wants to go after your people. It's easy to find out who they are. And if are. they're leaving, then the issue is internally. It's not because you've put their name on a website, is it? hundred yeah. percent. And I think actually now, certainly within my business, but certainly I see this in many of the kind of network groups that I'm talking about, we're seeing a bit of a move away from that kind of protectionism around... It's needed. Don't, don't, yeah. Give, yeah, don't give anything away to actually make yourself known. Push the brand, push yeah. yourselves, because actually... It's all in the common interest, you know. Yeah. If these guys are known within their verticals and market spaces, the knock-on effect will be that we, as a business, are known within that market space, yeah. and that carries more credibility. It carries more punch. So it's actually, it's it's good to see the industry as a whole starting I to agree. embrace that change in dynamic, yeah. as opposed to just need to do it quicker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as opposed to being, you know, one or two or three mavericks going out swimming against the tide, it seems now there is a kind of a a group mentality that's pushing this forward, and I think. Long may it continue as yeah, far as cool. I'm concerned. Um, what do you say your biggest marketing success has been? And you can't say an office move because that's not real marketing. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think from for me personally, yeah. creating a website that drives organic revenue. Yeah. I mean, I think, as I said, half a, what we're on queue to do, half a million pounds over 24 months. Yeah. Um, that's that's fantastic, you know. Optimus- and, w- and was that the aim? Was, was there, the website wasn't really doing anything type thing or, or didn't know what it was doing it, that's exactly it it, <laughs> yeah. it was a classic case of we've got a website because we need one yeah okay <laughs> yeah because everyone else has got one yeah i mean you can build one in on wix or yeah. one of these other squarespace, web, or squarespace for 
yeah. 200 quid. Yeah. It's, it's fundamentally getting people to understand that actually the website is part, again, to use a, a, a cliche, but the ecosystem, exactly. The website is part of that ecosystem. Our consultants' social media profiles and what they're putting out to market is part of that ecosystem. Yeah. You know, how we onboard and, and what people's experience of coming in and out of the business is part of that ecosystem. So yeah. actually, don't look at things in isolation. Look at start to look at things on the macro, not on the micro. The micro yeah. will kind of take care of itself. Yeah. If you're looking at the bigger picture, you've got an understanding of the goals, what the business needs are. Just jump off that hamster wheel for a bit. Isn't exactly. It? Those yeah. those individual elements will tend to kind of reveal themselves yeah um, and I think that's something that has been a big success so the website was part of that um, and obviously that for me as a marketeer is a clear return on investment yeah. you know and it's something visual that everyone can see exactly but yeah. but but again to move away from the the coloring in department yeah it's it absolutely essential you know in terms of how the brand is perceived yeah. but actually a, a deeper understanding that not only does it look and feel nice by looking and feel nice we're actually going to drive some actual value Delivery out of results. this process. Yeah. Um, and as I said, you know, for the better part of 10 years, the website, the marketing, the brand voice, that was all, we're doing it because we kind of feel like we need yeah. to. Because the guys could just do deals, they could fly in under the radar, get the money, get out, which is, you know, let's, let's be honest about it, that is what a lot of recruitment companies do, especially, especially IT ones. 100%. But there is an element of, you can't hide now. You have to. You have to grow up. You have to um, look at everything to to be a credible business in the market. And, and we operate I think in. importantly to be scalable as well. Yes. Yeah. I think you know when you're a 15 man business. Yeah. And direct line of sight to your team leaders and whoever happens to be doing the marketing and whoever happens to be doing the operations. Yeah. You can kind of drive that day to day reactionary. But actually, once you get to 75, 80, 100 people, multi site offices you need an infrastructure that is scalable. So yeah. actually creating this ecosystem where you have multiple moving parts becomes more important yeah. um, in order to give everybody the best chance of success within the business, yeah. I think. So how, um, like, like you said, how many, how many people are you up to now? I think we're about 90 now. 90. So I, I, mean, I haven't spoken to the HR girl for a while, <laughs> but I, I think we're about 90. And that's in London and in... London, Berlin, and we've got a, a small satellite office in Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Um, we've got ambitions for more. Yeah, um, like most recruitment companies. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of my job is also to temper that expectation a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that things are in place in order to facilitate further growth. That scalability. 100%. So I think, and that's one of the things that, um, that talking about challenges, that's one of them. I think now we've got into such a good position that we've, we've moved everything forward so much in the last couple of years. There's an appetite for it now. Yeah. And now it's sometimes a case of like, okay, well, I was foot flat to the pedal now it's a case of take the foot off the pedal ever so slightly in order to make sure that we're investing in the right areas step back a bit and look at it yeah just, just look at things a little bit more analytically we're, we're in a position where now we can use lots of data points to drive mm -hmm. that decision making process yeah um, it's a lot less finger in the wind than it, than it <laughs> yeah. used to be uh, which from me as a mark from a marketing point of view is fantastic um, because you know you're doing something for a reason less guesswork yeah. and you know I think marketers have to go into projects and programs sometimes not everything's going to work for you um, but actually making decisions based on data as opposed to gut feel um, it certainly helped us to, to get where we need to be and I'm, I'm sure it's going to keep on kind of adding to the to the decision-making process moving yeah. forward how 
as a one and a and a new person's just joined you. One uh, and a half at the moment. Yeah, well, what, you've got to go back to uni, so one and a half uh, at the moment. In a one and a half team. Um, how do you get everyone kind of bought into the marketing initiatives, the marketing output that you're doing? What's your kind of tactics? Okay, of, but that's how, a, how much stick and how much carrot? Okay, so that's yeah. a good question. Yeah. I think you you have to be pragmatic enough to realise that not everybody's going to buy in. Yep. I think from a recruitment marketing point of view specifically, um, you have to embrace that and understand that. I think where you get buy-in with with consultants specifically, let's not talk at stakeholder level, which see you know the, the more detailed machinations of how a business works yeah. and how marketing fits into that. But from a sales point of view, is how can I help these guys deliver revenue? Yeah. How can I help them with their sales? Affect now, their commissions. Exactly, because yeah. that as soon as you've you know, as soon as the website generates a client that brings in 40K for somebody, yeah. they're bought in. Yep. You know, as soon as the job portal on the website delivers a candidate that is a retained candidate that is worth 30K, mm-hmm. that guy buys in. So I find it is quite, it's attritional. It's bit by bit. Yeah. You're, you're working with people that you identify. And I think as a marketeer within a recruitment business, you have to be quite, quite street smart. You have to find out those people that are worth getting on board quickly and those that will follow those individuals, right? So I think part of the dynamic of working as a recruitment marketeer is to go after, for want of a better word, the low-hanging fruit, uh, the guys that you know that if you can deliver value for them, they will naturally pull other people alongside Tap in, yeah, because then you can tap into the competitive nature of the the sales people can't you and someone sees that someone else is getting a little bit more support and it's helping them do more deals then you know they get in touch with you then they come to you don't exactly and i think for me it was about you know we we are quite lucky in that we've got probably eight to ten guys on the floor that have been here over four years five years which in recruitment doesn't sound much to the general public but certainly in recruitment that's that's something to be quite proud of Mm -hmm. um so it was quite easy for me it was quite easy for me to identify the individuals that are going to be my brand champions within the business or my departmental champion, should I say. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, it was a very, very slow approach to kind of get these guys on board. So whether it's helping with our client tender, whether it's, you know, don't send over a templated presentation, let us customize it, uh, offering up co-branding opportunities for our key clients. Yes. Um, you know, we did our first market report last week for one of our key accounts. We've had them for five years. Um, they are looking at a rapid expansion into Eastern Europe. Truth be known, they'd already made the decision-making process. They already knew roughly where they wanted to go. Yeah. Um, but I spoke with the head of the department and I, or the head of the region. And I just said, look, well, why don't you know if they're coming to you and asking for advice, why don't we formalise it? Why don't you do a bit of a need find, find out what their decision-making um, parameters are going to be? And we'll frame something. We'll frame a market report that actually ties into their business needs. Yeah. So, um, and how were you aware that was going on? Because I completely agree. You know, the relationship between the marketers and the consultants needs. You know, you need to know what's going going on. And I think there is a danger in some companies, whether it's the size or it's just the nature of the company. Marketing can become quite siloed. So, how were you aware that all of this was happening? I mean. A lot of groundwork, having built yeah. some of those relationships with the older guard. Yeah. Um, but again, don't. I don't think you can. You can. 
uh, gloss over the social element of it as well. You yeah. know, I will go out for a, a drink with the guys or go out for lunch with the guys. It's part of my strategy of getting these guys on board and getting yeah. them bought in. So, you know, I might go to the department, you know, been out for a while, or no requests come through the Let's go for lunch together. Let's talk about where your needs are in the business. So this particular request came out conversationally originally. So yeah. the manager was just catching up with the clients, do a quarterly review just to see how we were getting on, whether his team were delivering against the key needs. And it was dropped in conversation. I then went out, happened to go out for lunch with that head of, of, of region. He mentioned it over over some shrimp. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, it was just, you know, then it was actually a case of fighting the tide a little bit because actually a couple of the guys or some of the other senior um, decision makers were just like, oh no, just we'll just put something quickly together for them and get it out the door. And myself and 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 the team leader was like, no, 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 let's let's use this as an exercise around. Is it as a case study, a blueprint for future? And you know? in, and how how we can keep on evolving our service yeah. proposition, you know, because I don't think you you should rest on your laurels, you know. Yeah. Your service proposition should always be reviewed, and how can we better articulate that to market? We've gone from a predominantly perm business to a perm and contract business. In that time, we're also now starting to offer retained search as part of that process. So some of those existing accounts that we've had for five, six years, they only know Optimus Search as a perm delivery yeah. business. And it always takes di different <laughs> approaches and different selling approaches to sell those different solutions, doesn't it? 100%. And yeah. I think that that then is what we've, what we've gained the most traction out of is that then, as I said, the, the client had already made a decision-making process, but we did formalize it. said, so give us a week. We're going to put something together, a little market report for you. Give us the four cities specifically that you're looking at opening up this satellite office in. So they gave us the four cities. Yeah. We did a bit of market research. We went out to we went out to we went out to market. We did a bit of research. We found out the pros and cons of setting up those operations, and we created a nice co-branded marketing report. So, yeah. it's our branding. It's our it's ours, but we'll throw their logo on it and call it a client yeah. and Optimus Search co-branded piece. Um, it makes a difference though. Huge buy-in. Yeah. They wrote a fantastic email to the senior guys in the business saying. Absolutely brilliant. We've worked with you for so long. Never really, never really understood that you guys offered this kind of value-added service. Just to let you guys know, we have now made a decision based on that report that you guys sent through. Here are five roles that we're going to be looking for straight away. So it's yeah. a bit of weaker resource, but what we've actually got now, we've got five positions to fill. Three of them are extremely senior level. And a proof of concept. And a proof of concept for moving forward. So yeah. actually, you know, it well in worth the seven days or five working days of, of truth be known, did a bit of work at weekends, but yeah. seven days to block off to secure that, not only to secure that relationship, which was the part of the reason of doing it, mm. but now actually to, to leverage that relationship and actually get more out of it than we originally anticipated. And I think that's really where marketing adds additional value. That obviously comes with resource yeah. issues. Um, at the moment, we're not at a size and scale of requests that it's too much of a drain, yeah. but that is a nice problem to have. Well, it's one, it's one of those, isn't it? Like I, we mentioned it before we started recording that if when you take that step back and you look at the bigger picture and you can say, well, these, these are the types of things that we want to do. This is the kind of business that it's going to win or what we believe will win, but this is the resource that we're going to need. Um, that's a lot of a stronger sell to senior stakeholders for you to have that bigger picture rather than going in and I, they'll you know there'll be a lot of marketers listening to this 
it's a lot stronger sell than going in and saying, oh, I'm too busy, I need more people, is you have to go into these stakeholders with a real plan of action of how it's going to deliver better results to get that extra headcount. And, and I think that it, that's, that resonates even more when it's a privately owned business. Yes. You know, you know, if you have the luxury of working at a recruitment <laughs> business which is massively VC funded, yeah. then so I always say, always easier to spend other people's money. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm making a, a, a business case for additional resource... Spend it like your own. 100%. I, I anchor it based on yeah. some facts, some stats, and some actually achievable goals from the yeah. end of it. Because yeah. as you rightly say, it's a much easier pitch. Yeah. As I say, I'm just going in there and moaning that I've... And then, and then it ch chucks the accountability back on yourself. If you, uh, you only go with ideas then that you really believe that you can deliver because, you know... It's your head on the block, yep. obviously, because you said it can deliver this, and and that's part of growth as a as a marketer. Well, any professional who's wants to become more senior, like like yourself, at, at the director level and stuff like that, is is to take that accountability and take responsibility for decisions rather than just sit there, carry on doing the same old same old crap that you've been doing for God knows how many years, and taking your salary home at the end of the month, and then mo moaning to everyone that. Oh, it's too busy. I'm not doing what I want to do. But you haven't actually, you know, engineered put your, put your it. head above the parapet and 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 taken some responsibility yourself. And I think part of part of any marketing function, especially a smaller marketing function in the recruitment business, is to absolutely engineer those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you don't want to put your be, hand up. You don't want to be sat in the corner of a room just, you know, designing a brochure, designing a flyer. Of course, that's always going to be part of the mix. Uh, but actually, if we want marketing to be taken seriously in recruitment yep. you do need to kind of have a finger in lots of pies within the business yeah. and that that for me has evolved into a, an operational role as well as the marketing side of things um but i think they are intrinsically entwined um yeah. you know if we want to get better supplier relationships and we want to get value out of those you know the same roi model that i use for site delivery i use for Supplier delivery, you yeah. know, so we have a benchmark in terms of what we're expecting from a supplier And if they don't hit that then I will hold them to the same standard as I hold myself Yeah, so I'm not I'm not expecting anything more from them as a supplier than I am from what I'm expected to deliver So yeah. I don't think we I mean, without going to the details who the supplier is but we've had that same issue recently We spent a huge amount of money with a particular supplier last year Yes, it delivered decent ROI, but not at the level that we anticipated given the amount of spend. Yeah. So we have to be bold enough to to pull back and say, well, actually, no, this is what we set out as a framework for what we expected from you. We didn't get that. Um, I mean, I won't go into the details. There was a lot of technical issues from their end. There, yeah. It was a case of, well, try this and try that. We've tried it, still not working. Yeah. Um, so then when they came back to us and said, okay, well, we're going to double our cost next year. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even go into the senior stakeholders and pitch it. No. Because it wasn't even worth it. I just made the unilateral decision, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And then I explained it to them. And actually, you'll get a lot of buy-in from owners of a business if actually you're protecting their interests. Yes. Um, I think as a, from a marketing point of view or from an operational point of view, if you can bring as much in-house or you can deliver as much to mitigate cost, um, it will help you win the pounds for the projects that you do need. Yes. You know, don't four grand on a brochure here, two grand for this, five grand for this, all of a sudden it's death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. When actually, when I need 20K to go and build a specific portal for my for my project, which I can't do because I'm not a developer, yes. um, yeah. 
they're much more likely to sign that off. Yeah, exactly. And I think so. Actually, picking your picking your battles and keeping your gunpowder dry, um, it, it's it's important. Very yeah, important. Yeah, I agree. Um, that probably covers my question around to advice to people in, in marketing. But what would you say are the biggest opportunities at the moment for marketers within recruitment? Um, I mean, I think it's very hard because I mean, marketing, especially in the digital landscape, it's it's so quick paced. Yeah. What what is what is the fad today is going to be dead tomorrow. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest opportunity is actually, for, just speaking personally, it's the, it's the value add, the yeah. co-branding elements that we're starting to do with a lot more of our clients. I'm seeing that quite a lot industry-wide. It's kind of these um, RPOs, but not quite RPOs, uh, you know, in-house outsourced solutions. That, I think of that existed for a number of years, actually, but now they're becoming a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more formalised, aren't they? Yeah, and I yeah. think actually, you know, it's it's really important, especially, for, and I think it's a balance between the resource you're willing to commit. So for us as a benchmark, you know, certainly starting to kind of move this forward into a, a programme in its own right is yeah. to look at a benchmark, right? So whether it's uh, tenure that a client has been with us or, you know, for one of of a dirty word, the amount of money they spent with us over yeah. <laughs> a given period. Um, it's about creating a premium offering, right? So, you know, how can we evolve a premium service? Okay, yeah. well, we can't offer it to everybody because otherwise it doesn't become premium. Yeah. Um, so let's benchmark where we feel that cutoff for premium is uh, and then have these conversations. In lots of cases, it's not particularly resource heavy. Um, as I said, it might be, for example, we, we had another client that came to us that was recruiting for a very, very senior position. So the owner of the business was moving and wanted to get a new CEO in place. Um, obviously for that, they came to us and said, look, is there anything else that we can offer? Because just getting people for a standard interview process at this level, probably not gonna be quite right. So we sat down and we had a bit of a think tank with the, 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 the owner that was leaving, a couple of the other senior heads, a couple of the senior heads within the business and got an understanding of, okay, so how would you like to be known in the market space? What is it, what are the, the key drivers to get people to come and work in for the business? The kind of stuff that our guys are asking in qualification questions, but just throwing away as kind it's of amazing how much knowledge is goes on in those conversations <laughs> and tapping into that is but then so take, important. But then taking that information instead of just having it conversationally, yeah. actually putting it in, into something that they can use. So yeah. we, again, we created a kind of values, culture-driven bit of marketing for them, yeah. co-branded once again. So it's our branded, but we stick their logo on it. Um, absolutely gave them open remit to use that for their own initiatives. And I think also you have to be aware that people are going to be looking for, to fill those roles themselves. Yes. Being protective about, oh, no, no, well, we've created this, so only we can do it. No, so we've created it. If you want to use it to leverage your own process, that's absolutely found fine by us. Because um, then it gets a bit more trust built into that process. Actually, then they, I find that they tend to pull back from their own internal drive yeah, of course. and actually let you take ownership of it. Um, so as I said, we create this marketing collateral, let them use it for their own internal recruitment pieces. Obviously still got our brand on it, so it's, mm -hmm. it's fantastic. Um, but obviously with the same bit of collateral, we're then leveraging. So everybody's coming in for the interview. It's giving them this information pack about the company. You know, it had financials in there. It had projections for the next five years. As I said, had culture, had values, all of that kind of... It's nothing that's particularly new, but as I said, it's taken those packaging it up, though, isn't it? It's yeah. taken those conversations that are happening on a on a granular level every day on the sales floor, and putting them in writing, and actually yeah. giving these 
almost feeding it back to the client by way of a branded or marketed piece. Um, and we've seen huge success in that, almost yeah, to cool. the point where we've had to get an intern in now and there's certainly conversations around scaling that project up next yeah, year so and, you can offer it and to probably, more. yeah, branding it and creating a, a new kind of sales piece alongside it, isn't it? That's yeah. Okay. Cool. This will be... Um, this will be interesting because I usually send these five questions to people um, before before we start recording. I didn't do it okay. to you, so it's the last <laughs> the last five really quick questions. Um, one marketing tool or technology you couldn't live without? LinkedIn. Wow, necessary evil. Necessary evil. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Favorite brand other than Optimus, obviously. Famous. Uh, Favorite recruitment brand? No, oh, if you have, if your favorite brand is a recruitment, I brand, was about to say um, no. <laughs> um, my favorite brand outside of recruitment? Oh, that's a very tricky question. Probably Sky. Interesting. Yeah, probably Sky. Don't say much for their uh, customer service. No, I mean I think like, <laughs> like, like all of these big companies, once you become the the, the, the market leader, you're uh, yeah. You're being shut down. Y- yeah. Your attention to detail with the, the minnows becomes, you know, <laughs> questionable. But yeah, eighty-five pound a month. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, favorite sound or noise? Um, probably the sound that my L and D guy comes in when uh, somebody doesn't make the cut. Yeah, and Optimus' L and D guy is like a amateur wrestler he is he is he's a huge personality um and is a wrestler by yeah we call him a wrestler by trade and an md person kind of as a hobby (laughs) maybe that started to shift around a bit but um you know he's he's incredibly passionate like all lnd guys so he'll always see a rough diamond and look how he can polish it and i think you know we have a a much more rigorous and um and process driven onboarding policy now so i think he sometimes takes it as a it's a personal slight when people don't make it yeah. through the business. And what kind of noise does he make? It's kind of guttural and it's just <laughs> kind of like, you know, like 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 you just had the air beaten out of you. Yeah. Um, but he, he does a fantastic job and I think it, it's testament to his passion about getting people up and, and running in the recruitment space, which is not easy. I think, let's be honest, get people up and billing in a competitive landscape, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, so I sometimes when I hear it's that noise, noise, I just kind good. of have to say, look, you know, don't, don't worry about it, Alex. So, other than a marketer, a recruiter, or an ops person, yeah. what profession would you like to give a go if you could do anything? Oh, God, that's easy. I would have loved to be a Hollywood actor. Oh, wow. Would have loved it. Yeah. That's, what, that's why you were a recruiter initially. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All smoke and mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the best one, favourite swear word? Fuck. Yeah. Good, <laughs> uh, and that and that wraps up uh, another show. Thanks for coming on, Raf. Um, it's been a really good show. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to the multiple hats wearing, and I'm sure if everyone wants to reach out and pick your brains, just connect to you on LinkedIn and 100%, all that. Yeah, yeah always, cool. always willing to connect with like-minded people. So good. Um, share the podcast. We're we're approaching the best part of. 3,000 uh, listens now so it's really gaining some momentum so share it with your networks that'll be good and I'll speak to everyone next week cheers everyone bye